Good morning out there. Good morning out there in Radio Land. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that anything is possible because we serve a God who will do the impossible every single time in Jesus' name. This is a day, uh, May 22nd, 2023. This is the only May 22nd, 2023 you will ever have in your life. So today, let's make the most of it for the glory of God. Well, we have Miss Hannah and Miss Gretchen and Mr. Miller in the house. How are you all doing? Amen. And Miss Hannah, how are Excellent, excellent. God's doing amazing things. And um, I don't know. We had an excellent day yesterday, I thought. Great, great morning. Had a lot of other um, people say they had some great mornings where they were attending to. So just really thankful. God's doing great things and people's being transformed and hearts are being mended. And we'll see where God does. We're just, uh, I, I say it like this, let's just have a willing yes and amen to see what he wants to do. Amen. How was Coffee with Jesus, Hannah? It was really good. Um, it was different. Uh, definitely every one of them have been different, but I loved, I loved the message. Um, and the alabaster box, there was things that came out and were revealed in that. Actually, Miss Gretchen shared something that was really cool. Um and uh, um, we asked Miss Doris to close in prayer as well. And <laughs> ever since that Mother's Day prayer, we're like, Miss Doris is the go-to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But she's really is a powerful, a powerful prayer warrior. And so, but it was just, it was a good time of fellowship. And um, I felt like there was a lot of interaction in the group. So that was really good. Um, and we're, we're looking forward to the next one. Yep, the next one's a big one, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell, tell everybody about that one. Yep, so the next one is going to be June 9th and 10th, and that is a Friday and Saturday, um, and we're having a conference. We're trying this out. We've never done it before. Um, I know this is a busy time, but this was the a busy time uh, of summer. I know a lot of people are doing different things, but if you don't have anything planned already, um, this is going to be a great event. Um, so Ju- June 9th at 6 p.m. Um, will be our first night of the conference. And then June 10th at 4 p.m. will be the second night. Um, and there will be some, there, there will be food, there will be um, refreshments. And um, we will, we will do this in the sanctuary though. Like the actual, you know, she'll bring the word. And so we'll, we'll have the multi-purpose building open, but then as well, the sanctuary. Um, whereas before, I think the last one we had here, we just stayed in the multi-purpose building, but we will go into the sanctuary for this one. Uh, we're hoping to have a bigger turnout, but honestly, I believe that who needs to be there will be there. We've been in prayer, uh, for this one. And, um, we're, we're just excited for it. Miss Megan Fortner, uh, she really, the Lord has poured a lot into her about empowering other women and just other people in general to fight the good fight of faith the right way. Um, we've, we've interviewed her. Yep. A couple of times on the Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. the last time we interviewed her, she actually talked about some of some of the same things that she'll probably touch on at the conference, but more in depth. So she'll probably give her backstory a little bit um, and kind of talk about how she got into um, defending the faith and um, fighting the enemy the right way with the the word of God. Um, and so she she did touch on that whenever we interviewed her. And I 
honestly, I, I'm just really excited. She's felt led to come here for a while, and um, I'm just I'm really excited to see what the Lord does and how how she's able to pour into us um, because I I believe she has a lot to pour in to us. And she's one of the things that she said that I really liked was whenever she travels somewhere and she speaks her, her goal and her, like one of her things that she always makes sure to do is not only to, you know, prepare for whatever she's doing, but also take time to pray with the leaders at whatever church she's going to and spend time with the leaders so that she can see what the Lord, if, has for her to pour into leaders that are at whatever church she she is attending. So I thought that that was really, really thoughtful. And I know something special about her, you know, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and say this, is that she is very intentional. Um, and anyone who follows her on Facebook or anything like that will see that she's very active with, like, commenting on other people's posts, even though, honestly, I mean, I know that she has some connections with, um, a few people here at Box Two Radio, but um, I've seen her very active and you know accepting friend requests of just various people throughout our congregation, um, and so and she will comment encouraging comments and stay up to date and text and ask how can I be praying with you all the way from Missouri, you know. So she stays very active on social media and is just a very encouraging, um, very encouraging leader. And honestly her her level of encouragement and intentionality is something that you don't see very often um just how she goes out of her way to to do that so we're super excited and again that is um that is going to be june 9th at 6 and then june 10th at 4 here at bethel um and we're super excited also there will be child care provided <laughs> there will be child care provided yes that's me um <laughs> i don't I, I I assure your kids by gr- the grace of God, Lord willing, they'll be a piece. They'll be in one piece when you come pick them up. Um, Mr. Miller, how do you feel like graduation went? That was good. We had a great time, and uh, uh, always happy to see uh, you know the kids. You know that, that night for them to kind of shine and you know recognition and all that stuff. So that, you know we you know, we love it, and I thought. I loved uh, your message about Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and I, I have to ask, yeah. we, we were wondering, was the the thing in their seats, was that Chick-fil-A gift cards? It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just had to know. I mean, it was just, and you know, it was actually bothering me so much <laughs> that we went that same night and went and ate Chick-fil-A. I'm not lying. We went and ate Chick-fil-A that, that night because it... I mean, the message was so good. Oh, to be young again. <laughs> we were like, I don't care how late it is. We're going and we're getting Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so it was a good night. <laughs> well, there you go. That's good. I ate that wonderful fudge. I don't know what kind of fudge it was, but it was terrific. Did you have some? Uh, from where? Uh, that one would have been the, the multi-purpose, Erica and them's. Um, it was white. No, I don't think white I did. fudge. No. <laughs> This was. Oh, I missed it. I had a lot of different <laughs> foods. It was good. Yeah, it was very good. Um, Jason has this ability. Um, actually, I was in line right behind him and Miss Kelly, and somehow he ate the whole time he was in line. I don't know how this happened. Like he he kept getting food in his hand, and here being Miss Kelly are just talking with Heather, and I would look over and Jason have this in his hand, 
And then a minute later, he has a barbecue, like, I mean, like a pulled pork sandwich in his hand. And we're not even through the line yet. I don't know how he's doing it. And I was like, where do you keep getting this food? He said, I just mosey up there and grab a piece and come back to the line. <laughs> That's a good method. Yeah. I swear he ate a meal before he got he to took it. That, he got that from his dad. <laughs> I have to say, going back to Chick-fil-A, I know we can't stay on food too long, but I had never had their mac and cheese. I never have either, but I've heard people talk about it. Oh my goodness. You need to try it. If you like mac and cheese, it is very, it's a game changer. There you go. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Got him all choked up. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was from the bush hogging yesterday. It got me good. Um... Also, we have Man Up this Thursday night, 6.30 p.m. at Cross Point there, right there in Southgate Mall, right in the middle of town. And um, if you know where Hardy's is, it's right behind Hardy's. If you know where Ace Hardware is, it's right beside that. And I'm uh, very excited for that. I don't actually remember who's giving the testimony. I don't know if I have that information yet, but I'm sure it's going to be a great one. They always, they always do a great job hosting, and um, last time they... My uncle is one of the deacons there, and he kept giving me a tour of the building. And you really don't realize how much room they got there until you actually start walking through everything and you see all the extra rooms and the upstairs fellowship hall and all that. And it's just a um, great place, great people, great church, and excited to be there. So that's 6.30 p.m. this week, this Thursday, at Man Up Ministries. Uh, We are... Um, always excited for new men to come and join us. And, um, if you don't know, if you're, if you know a guy, so say you work with somebody and you go to man up and you work with somebody who's never been to man up, never been to church or anything to that regard, see if you can get him to come with you. Um, I know I hopefully in July, I think we're going to host again here and we got some really cool plans. Um, I got to confirm this with everybody, but hopefully in July we get to do this and we're going to do man up at the lake back in our ref uh, at the ranch and be able to do cornhole and do fishing and um bonfire and all that good stuff so very um i'm looking forward towards that in a big way because i think that would be a great opportunity for men to come together and just be men with each other and also be able to bring your sons and bring your family um with with your kids and the kiddos and what boys don't like to get dirty and fish um a few but very few uh, for the most part, you put a fishing pole in a boy's hand, they're going to figure out something to do with it. Whether it's catch a fish or smack each other with it, they're going to find something to do with that fishing <laughs> pole. And um, cornhole, everybody loves cornhole, and we'll have volleyball out there maybe. I don't know. We'll we'll do it, and um, I'm, I'm just really excited for that opportunity. And um, hopefully some men that may not usually come to the house of the Lord um, maybe they'll, maybe they'll get out there and hear the gospel and their lives will be changed and then they will come to the house of the Lord. So we'll see how this goes. You never know. Sometimes you got to fish for them, right? We're fishers of men. And sometimes what's that one person say? Uh, you gotta, you gotta give them bait every once in a while, pull them yeah. in. And so, um, if that bait is literal bait, well, I guess it's okay. <laughs> uh, it might be literal bait. And now I'm starving because y'all start talking about food. And I've been craving a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit for days. Oh, no. And I mean, like, we live so far away. Yeah. You know, Jason lives in Litchfield, and he could very well bring us breakfast. And you know what? He's never done it. Oh. He's never, never done it. Never thought about that. Yeah, he could have done it. He, I would pay him back. Well, I try to sleep in on Monday. I would pay him back. That's my day to sleep in, actually. <laughs> sleep in? What's well, that? Well, we need to pray that, you know, a, a Christian... Um, 
would have a business idea and would just feel led to open up a, um, well, ba- bacon, egg, and cheese shop. Yes, just strictly bacon, <laughs> bacon, egg, and cheese, and make it taste exactly like Hardee's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking for, or they just make a Hardee's like right here next to us. I want like I want to be able to you know all these eggs that these fast food restaurants make the little fold over ones and stuff like that. <laughs> they should just sell those. Like, I don't know how you sell them. I don't know how you do it, but you should sell them to all our, where all I have to do is just get, get up in the morning, pop it in the microwave, and they're done. Are you talking about the egg that's yeah, on it? Yeah, just the egg. I think most of those are just instant. Those yeah, instant. It's like, it's like a water mix. Yeah. Like a powder. Is it? Well, I don't know. Whatever it is, I like them. I don't like those at <laughs> Me all. Me either. I always ask for, like, the real egg, like yeah. a real fried egg on them. You Dairy can... Queen will give you the real egg <laughs> if you want it. I don't know about Hardee's. They probably would. <laughs> if you put enough salt and pepper on it, you, it tastes good. I like them. <laughs> I don't think it's actually an egg. <laughs> is this going to have to be a challenge? Like, we have to find out, is this like a literal, we need to know, is this a real egg or is this an imposter? Is this, what is it, um, what is it called whenever it's grown in a warehouse? Um, you, oh, oh uh, mold. <laughs> grown in a warehouse you know like genetically modified <laughs> ingredients or whatever it is laboratory yeah. <laughs> you know like the um impossible burgers that we eat all the time at no, places we don't eat them all the time <laughs> i don't eat them but people do i don't know anybody that eats them i heard somebody did one i time. had to eat them whenever i had alpha gal because i got so desperate because <laughs> i couldn't eat any meat or I would have an allergic reaction. But other than that, I didn't choose to eat it. Now, I will say, when they first came out, I didn't know what it was. I thought it was like, I thought it was kind of like a clever ploy to get people to eat it. Like, you know, impossible, impossible that it tastes this good kind of deal. I almost did. And then Heather told me what was in it. And I said, oh, thank you. She shouldn't have told me. I may have probably tried it. Who knows? I would have liked it. I could have <laughs> ate green food for one time, but it looked like meat. Somebody told me the other day they were going to give me lettuce that tastes like bacon. I said, I don't think that's how that works. Um, <laughs> and so, here we go. Uh, Jacob Swift says they do sell frozen eggs at Walmart. Is it, would it get me like a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit quickly? Um, I don't know. I See, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of like the pop, the sausage biscuits in the microwave kind of deal. Like, that comes in the two in the package. I've yet to really have one that tastes like meat to me. It kind of like you rip it off, and you have to, and then you if you if you put the if you put the biscuit part of it in with the meat, and you cook it the length it's supposed to be, the biscuit's always tough. But if you don't cook it the meat, you need your like meat still cold, and so it's just a dilemma that you can't get over. And um, I don't know. I've yet to make. I yet to find a breakfast food that I could just pop in the microwave that tastes good to me. Yeah. Even those breakfast bowls, like if any of them have potatoes in them, they don't ever taste real to me. <laughs> I don't like those potatoes or the eggs. Yep. Uh, Joey says, I need a breakfast sandwich maker. I do. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, he also says, man joke of the day, what kind of ice cream do pigs like the best? Hagen dazs I don't know what Hagen dazs is. You've never um, seen that? Hagen-Dazs. They have it at Walmart. Dyes? Das. Das. Das, that's no S. I mean, there's no O uh, in there. Is, is it Swedish? or? <laughs> yeah, know. something like that. Something around that area. <laughs> Jason says, I mean, Jacob says the reason Jacob don't, I mean, okay. Jacob says the reason Jason don't bring us breakfast 
is he would probably eat it on the way there. <laughs> I might. <laughs> Jason, yeah. goodness gracious, I don't think that was a very positive comment, was it? It was not. I, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe I will one day. Yeah, just don't do chicken livers, please. Don't. He would like bring a chicken liver biscuit or something here. Um, now I would try a tater cake. I'm I'm still waiting on this tater cake trying. I've yet to do that. And I even had mashed potatoes the other day, and I should have saved some of them and made these tater cakes. Yeah. <coughs> um, let's see here. Uh, Hannah, do you know where we left off? And John. Um, I know that we're in <laughs> ten. <laughs> um, if I can look, I can. Probably. Did, didn't we just start out in 10? Like, I think we finished 9 Thursday with Greg. And then I think that now we're just starting John chapter 10. Yeah. Is that? I think that's how it went. Yeah. And so, okay, because I just wanted to make sure I was in the right spot. So we are in John chapter 10. <clears throat> Excuse us. Allergies are going crazy. And yesterday, I oh, man, it ripped me open, Bush Hog. And I, I did about an hour or two last night when I had a couple... And it was just, whew. other day I was, I forgot where I was at. I think I, w- I was at a, re- I was walking into a store in E-Town when I took the gr- um, the kid, the seniors on their um, senior lunch. And I walked in and you could literally see the pollen and yeah. everything just flying around in the, mm-hmm. the sky. Like uh, you was I, literally walking through it. I was listening to the weather this morning and uh, they said that, It'd be a good day to wash your car because you're going to have all that yellow stuff floating around and landing on it, and so and we're going to have some dry, a few days of dry. <laughs> so. Well, it's it was. They said it would be a good day too, or not? Would it not. would be so to wash it off, to wash the pollen off your oh, car. Oh, because it'll be drier instead <laughs> of mm-hmm. okay. All right. Well, at least we know where you're washing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it's covered in green stuff, but it was <laughs> it was awful, and so I don't think yesterday was much better though. Mm-hmm. And it is supposed to be pretty this week, though. I don't even think it's supposed to rain really at all this week. I think mm-hmm. it's supposed to be really pretty. Yeah, they said they Weather's could be pop-ups maybe, but didn't look too good. Didn't look too hopeful. All righty. Well, we are in John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. It says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, He that entered not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So right here, I mean, this is basically Jesus is starting to tell them, hey, there's no other way that you're going to get in here other than the right door. And that's very significant in a lot of ways. And to the Jewish people, whenever he's saying these to the leaders, when he's saying these to the people, just in period, they would have knew what he was talking about by the sheep gate. So they would have understood his, his analogy, his allegory, all these things, but also, they're starting to understand that he's talking about himself. And these people are already upset with him, especially, especially the religious leaders and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because they are sitting there like, okay, okay, so you're telling me that you're going to be, let me guess, I can see this conversation playing in their head. Oh, let me tell you, let me guess, Jesus, you're going to tell me that you're the only way now. Like, because he hasn't said that yet. He just says, if anybody comes any other way, they're a thief and a robber. So I can just kind of see these Pharisees and these Sadducees kind of starting to roll their eyes a little bit, get a little puffed up like, oh, he's going to get me mad. I know he's going to say it. I know you're going to say this, Jesus. And they they just keep struggling because, again, those of the natural 
cannot understand that of the spiritual. And we've already, we learned that in Scripture, that he, the man who is still natural struggles to understand the things that need to be understood spiritually. And that's why he would say things like, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle with what he's getting ready to tell them. But the first thing he says, this is a true statement. Anytime you hear verily, verily, or truly, truly, your eyes are supposed to perk up a little bit. You're supposed to sit on the edge of your seat, and you're supposed to really hear what's getting ready to be said. And he's trying to tell us that there's not, there's not going to be any other way. There's no other way. And in the days of what we would call like new ageism and Oprahism and coexist, and I'm with, Jay, I'm with Jason that he said that when he sees a car with a coexist bumper sticker, he just wants to bump it. Uh, is that what you said that I one said time? Rear end them. Rear end them. He he don't want to just bump. He wants to take them out. He wants to take that bumper sticker yeah, it out. Drives me insane. Those they they have no intention to coexist. They want you to accept what they have, their version of the truth, and only their version of the truth. There is no no implication at all of coexisting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder, like, you know, I I know there's new ageism, and I know those bumper stickers exist, but like, is there like an organization that's called Coexist or anything to that regard? Not that I'm aware of. So they just come up with a bumper sticker. Yeah, it has all the <laughs> symbols of the different religions. Yeah, 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 and yeah, I've I've seen them a lot, but it's kind of like, you know, um, what was the was there like a movement? Like, I think the bumper sticker may, I mean, it's been around for a while. Yeah, there's a, it's called the Spirit of Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know that. Uh, but, like, did it come out of something? Oh, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to figure out where the origins of the bumper sticker came from. Like, yeah, what started it? Yeah, the like, movement or whatever. Whatever, who would like, the, it usually, something like that usually comes out of something. Mm-hmm. And so, like the WWJD, you know, what would Jesus do? Yeah. Well, it went crazy because basically a sermon, you know, and then it just yeah. went, went nuts. And Originally I it was a book. It know, was steps. a book. Yeah. And then it, and the book goes way back, 1800s. And then, and then um, was it a sermon he preached or just a book? And it was a book about a pastor. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it was a book about a pastor in a small town, and uh, he takes in, or he actually doesn't even take in this homeless fellow. He just uh, is kind to him, but it was really more of an inconvenience for the pastor. He was preparing for his sermon. And then um, the next day, the homeless guy comes into the service and uh, basically thanks the pastor for being kind to him. And uh, then I think he falls over dead right there uh-huh. in, the, in the service. Mm-hmm. And um, the pastor's heart is really gripped because he really wasn't that kind to him. He was more of just kind of hurry him along so he could finish preparing for his, his, his message. And he couldn't let it rest. And eventually, um, I think the, in, the, in the man's speech, he, he references doing what Jesus would do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the guy, the pastor, the next Sunday, he says, he, he repents and says, and he challenges, yeah, his, challenges his mm-hmm. congregation for the next year. We're not going to do anything until we ask, what would Jesus do first? And then you follow the different yeah. ones that... People. Accepted that challenge, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good book. Mm-hmm. It's an older, you know, book, so it's sometimes it's a little tougher because our attention spans are not what they used to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this was written late 1800s. Charles Sheldon, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And there's a sequel <coughs> to it. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. That. Yeah, and I mean, but a all book right. written by his grandson. The yeah. the book's been around for a while. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. What well, it was but, considered a classic, you know. But the book sparked somebody from what I understood, like somebody took it and did something with the I think book. They, uh, just kind and of, then that's when it went crazy. Yeah, kind of mm-hmm. recreated the not the scenario, but the 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 need for that, yeah. Yeah. There was a group that, that was doing like a kind of like a fifteen minute series, you know, kind of uh, of the book, you know, uh, more modern day. And uh actually I, I think uh Jason Toller's uh, sister-in-law and her husband were in, involved with it. You know, I, I don't know. I never did get to see all of it. I don't know if they completed it or not. But it was just just little like 15-minute segments, you know, and it was about that book, you know, that mm-hmm. story. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm struggling in here. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I mean, everybody loves the WFJD, but. I was just thinking about where it come from, that coexist banner, mm-hmm. because the enemy wants us convinced that there's many different roads that lead to the Father, mm-hmm. and there's not. Uh, you know, basically what we would call, in a lot of ways, Oprahism or something to that extent, you know, where it's, yeah, there's many roads, but only one God, and we're all kind of on our uh, on our own journey, on our own path. You find your own path. You find your own journey. And really, to me, that's nothing more than humanism. It's basically saying, you do you, and you do you well enough, you'll get yourself to heaven one day. Just stay faithful to whatever you believe and whatever your conscience tells you. But the scripture tells you tells us that your heart is deceitfully wicked, and it will lead you astray. So, absent of being born again, if you're not born again, if you've not been given a new heart, if you've not been given a new spirit, following your own heart is probably one of the most dangerous things you can do because it's deceitfully wicked. Yeah. Because when we're born again, we're not following our own desires. We're following his desires. And we should be dying to ourselves and living for him. And so I think that humanism will tell us that Rich we're... Rich has a good song about that. <laughs> What's called it called? The, called Are you going to sing it? of Noses. Sing it for us. I, uh, no, they're not. Uh, <laughs> noses? The maker of noses, yeah. Huh. Noses or Moses? Noses. <laughs> N O S E S. Really? Yeah. I thought maybe you just it's a Monday, so I thought maybe you mispronounced. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, basically he he goes in the course. He says, uh, "Well, the word will the world will tell you to follow your heart," uh, and then I can't remember that next part. And then they'll say, "Follow your nose," and then they'll say, "Follow your dreams." Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, "But the um, let's see, I can't remember how it goes, but." The father of hearts, the maker of noses, and the giver of dreams. I've <coughs> chosen. I will follow him. That's how it goes. You know, I think I've heard of that. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever heard the song, but maybe I have. Oh, it's a good. One. It sounds familiar. Yeah. And so, Rich Mullins, you leave it to Rich Mullins. Um, you know, Rich Mullins was a, he had like long hair and stuff, didn't he? Uh, at times he did. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of reminded me some of it should be on Jesus Revolution. He was uh, sort of hippieish. Yeah. Yeah, but at t- he, other times he wasn't. He had short hair. Was you ever hippies? No, never was. <laughs> Did you ever have long hair? No, I could. I couldn't see brother on it. You have long hair. Did he? The the Jason? How's what's the longest Jason's hair ever got? What it is right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't doesn't work very well for me. It's coarse and uh, oh, so it sort of 
Uh, I may be the only white person that can grow an afro. <laughs> but I probably could. That's what it would happen if I grew my hair out. <laughs> I tried growing my hair out both, one time. Both my sons, that one time they tried to, to do the long hair, and John's was too curly. And uh, so I don't remember yours being that coarse, but, but I know that's the Miller in you. <laughs> Did Brother Ron ever have long hair when he was young? Well, kind, kind of a little bit, but not not his was the same way. His that's where the curls came from. <laughs> yeah, mine would curl. And the coarseness. <laughs> mine flips up whenever it got so long, it just start flipping mm-hmm. up. So, which when I was in high school, that was supposed to be cool. So, um, <laughs> I'm I not mistaken. I think we only covered one verse. Of John <laughs> 10. Yeah, tell me about it. Well, you got me started on. Well, I, I think I, you got yourself. Started. I got it on. Uh, <laughs> uh, the coexist thing. I was just looking all that up, but I. I think it's been added too. It's originally, I think, it started out with the, you know, Christianity and Judaism and Islam. And then they've added Buddhist and science, probably Scientology and and uh, anything and everything. You know that, uh, as as you were just saying, many roads. You know, they're hoping will lead them. You know, yep. but uh, <clears throat> well, to be clear, I can, I can get along with anybody. And uh, and. You know, I don't mind to disagree with people. Mm-hmm. And disagreeing with someone, it does not mean that you hate them or you can't, um, you know, be friends with them or something like that. But uh, to push that movement down, you know, shove it down your throat or something, that's, mm-hmm. I don't like that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when they say coexist, but your particular faith, Christianity, you have to make all the sacrifices. Mm-hmm. You have to make all the concessions. And the rest of them can go about their merry little way yeah yeah all right well we're going to take a break here read our first trivia question for the morning we got one verse in but it's a good one it was a good verse (laughs) uh monday question number one sponsored by the sicilian bank how many loaves of bread did jesus start with with the with to feed the crowd of four thousand how many loaves of bread did Jesus start with to feed the crowd of 4,000? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. We are back here on this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful May twenty second, 2023 And this is the day that the Lord has made. This is a day that we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. And what a day. What a day. It's going to be a beautiful week. Hope you are going to enjoy this beautiful week going into Memorial Day weekend, which is right around the corner. Next Monday is the big day, three-day weekend coming up for a lot of people. And so um, looks like some good weather coming in for that. Now, I made a mistake here because um, I'm pretty sure I read 5,000 instead of 4,000. And that's very significant in the thing because there's two different accounts of the feedings, correct? The 4,000. So, but I did the 5,000 and Emery got it right. So, I'm going to let Emery be in on the drawing and we're going to do the other question too because okay. I said 5,000. I'm pretty sure I did. No, you said, no, four, you said four. You said 4. I said 5,000. Well, no, you said 4,000. Okay. Well, anyways, I'm letting Emery have it because she was so sweet. Um, <laughs> and so, um, and let's see here. So, we're going to do this. I think you should read John 10 1 again. <laughs> uh, 
Um, Emery got it. Emery got the five thousand one right, and I thought I said the five thousand on accident. Yeah, you no, said four. you said four. Okay. <laughs> well, Emery, you get your name in the drawing, anyways. I don't know. Um, she was so Aww. sweet, and uh, <laughs> and so um, she because let's see here. Let the poor baby get it. <laughs> um, but, because let's see here. If you got uh, the five thousand, is five loaves. The four thousand is a different account, mm-hmm. and so let's we'll continue that question. The four thousand is right now, or the next break. Next break because okay. I'm in the producing room and I. <laughs> um, now they get a chance to research it. <laughs> now they get a chance to research it, and so but Emery, uh, I'm I'm giving it to you because I I didn't tell you I I thought I said five thousand and so. I apologize for the confusion, um, but nobody in this room would have a heart to tell Emery that she was wrong anyways. As cute as she, as sweet as she was on the, right, on the telephone. You heartless people. Goodness gracious. <laughs> um, also, Brother Kid is right. Uh, more than Memorial Day, it is Pentecostal. It is Pentecost Sunday yeah. uh, this Sunday. So um, you are correct, my friend. Did you happen to read the the... My word for the week on the back of the newsletter. To be completely <laughs> honest with you, Sunday morning was so hectic for me. I barely got time to read the text before I preached it Sunday morning. <laughs> um, so I actually, I, didn't ever, I never seen the bulletin Sunday morning uh, or the newsletter. Sorry. <laughs> you're, you're forgiven. All right. Thank you. I had to clean a lot of toilets. Um Huh. Well, do you have it? Do you want to tell us what it, I'm, I'm, I mean, the anticipation is growing now. Well, it was uh, the story of, and I never have, I'm not really not sure how to say his name, Count Zindendorf, you know. Don't ask me how to pronounce something. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Zindendorf. Yeah, Zindendorf, yeah. Zinzendorf. Zinzendorf. <laughs> it, it, was, it was pretty neat, you know, just talking about the, you know, how he took in uh, some refugees and, uh, and then you know his that community kind of started building and uh, and of course uh, when you get a lot of people together sometimes you have some issues and some division and the Moravians you know decided to uh, get get their act together and get things in order and, and get right with God and and uh, they're you know of course they're the ones that uh, decided to uh, to pray you know and uh, and did so for. Okay, I have to look up, uh, see if I got the newsletter up that I can uh, get the account of it. And it's, it was there, now it's gone. Um, let me, uh, I mean, how many years that they uh, had, that they uh, gathered together and prayed? Uh, well, things are going slow. <laughs> but uh, anyway, revival broke out. Yeah. You know, and because of that, uh, because of their time of, of prayer and and fasting uh, uh it was a great move of god and affected you know like the wesleys and you know just uh, different ones but anyway um it was this was written by george Whitten, and uh, so as he he was talking about as we're re- approaching uh pentecost or i don't know how to pronounce the jewish name for it feast for it but uh he said, uh, let's be stirred with a sense of urgency also to lay down our differences as believers and then lay down our lives for the gospel <clears throat> so we can be eagerly expecting to be renewed with the power of God, not only for our own spiritual quickening, uh, 
but for all the souls who have yet to receive this awesome gift. Mm-hmm. So. Amen. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they prayed uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for... I think it was like uh, 100 years, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. A long time. <laughs> so but they, they prayed together. Good old Zin Zin. Mm-hmm. All right. But that was the Moravians and... Uh, I know Brother Ron used to talk a lot about them because they were the ones that really affected Wesley's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, one listener yesterday sent me in a text um, of a question yesterday evening. And it says, John twenty nineteen through 22 tells us of Jesus breathing on his disciples in the upper room. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Of course, we know 50 days later at Pentecost in the upper room, the Holy Spirit again fell. Um, again, comes and falls on the disciples. So my question is, is um, my, so my question is this: the salvation encounter in John and baptism or empowering of the day of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? All right. So um, this is a question that. Where's this at? All right, John twenty is where they, the record of Jesus blowing on his disciples, and he says, "Receive ye the Holy Spirit." And so that's in 19 through 22 of John chapter 20. It's Big John, not Little John, Big John. And um, the question is, you know, is that the salvation experience and then the day of Pentecost, the, per se, the empowering of the Holy Ghost? And honestly, this is something I've thought about quite a bit. This is after the resurrection, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, it is. Yes. Um, and this is something I've thought about quite a bit. And honestly, if I was to say yes or no today, I would say, I probably believe so. Um, but that would be, I'm still looking into it. I think it's a different, I'm, I don't know if we have a definite understanding of it to the point that I can confidently say without any hesitation. Yeah, that's it. Um, but I think to me, it kind of resembles what we would say, receive you the Holy Spirit because when we're born again the Holy Spirit does come into us like he has to or this whole this whole um, gospel thing doesn't work because the Spirit of God will come in this and he says he's going to give us a new spirit and a new heart and the Holy Spirit will live in us because we have become temples of the Holy Spirit at that moment and um, but then in Acts 2 there's like this empowerment there's an endowment that's what he says in Acts 1 8 tarry until you are endued with power to become witnesses to all the earth. And so to me, there's this empowerment in Acts chapter two at the day of Pentecost, but in John chapter 20, there's this receiving of the Holy Spirit because in Acts chapter two, they don't receive the Holy Spirit. They're endued Mm. by power. Suddenly a great shaking, a great thing happens and fire, like tongues of fire dance on their head and they start to understand each other and the power of God fell. Like that's an empowerment. Mm Mm-hmm but they've already had the Holy Spirit. So um, I think it's a very good likelihood that that's the case, that in John chapter 20, it's like the born again experience. And then Acts chapter two would be the empowerment. But I'm still looking into this because I think it's, um, I just don't know if I have a, um, a complete resolve yet, but I, I'm, I'm heading that way. So, mm-hmm. But it's like, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, where where do you put those folks? <laughs> you know, like, uh, um, you know, that's the only thing that it the question there, I guess you mm-hmm. would say. Yeah. Yeah, and we actually, 
there was a big discussion about a month or two ago on here concerning the Old Testament saints and how they can be born again and how they can't. And a lot of, I probably will stick, um, I believe that you've always been saved by grace. You know, but I do believe what, I believe it's different um, under the new covenant. And even those who were of the faith in the old covenant or the Old Testament, there was this shalom. There was this place of paradise they went to. Outside of year two, honestly, and that was, it seemed like Enoch and Elijah kind of went up, but I don't know what, I don't know. I think it's a difficult time. I think some people speak with such confidence on this, but really I don't know how much confidence we have, like, because we're still trying to piece all these puzzle pieces together. And there's a lot of people a lot smarter than me, but yet, like, um, I can read three or four different people's understanding like from their own camp. So I can take like three or four Calvinists and see what they would say about Old Testament saints being born again. And they say different stuff too. So it's kind of like, um, I don't, I don't really know piecing everything together on this whole issue of, because you actually outside of Elijah and maybe Enoch, you never, you always see them go to Shiloh, which is that paradise. It's like mm-hmm. that, that separate part. But to go to heaven, you don't see that um, in the Old Testament. Now, Moses, probably, he ended up there somehow. I don't, see, this is what I would like to, um, Greg Carwell said he would like to discuss this on Thursday. Um, (laughs) But I think it's more of ascending, because in verse 21, he says, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what this breathing is. Yeah, that's my my. So, do you believe they were born again prior to this? I do. So, yeah. when would that have happened? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Whenever they uh, my, received my Jesus. point is, I, I disagree with you, but I don't really know why I disagree with you. <laughs> See, but I'll be. I would be happy to be proven wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's my problem. I've I, never been able to prove myself wrong. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or right. On this one. <laughs> or right. That's, that is my problem. Like, I can't prove myself right or wrong on this one. I think one. it's really yeah. just uh, between, you, uh, between you and God. But I between think if you look Peter at verse 21, he does, Moses and God. <laughs> yeah, he does appear to be sending them out. And I don't think he would prepare to send them if they had not yet been saved. Because he, he's clearly getting, in verse 21, he's getting ready to send them out. So. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I wasn't. I didn't turn to this verse until you started uh, diving deeper into it. Yeah. So now I'm 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 there. And so this is the context: is the doors locked? Jesus comes and stands in the midst. Mm-hmm. So um, this is where a lot of people believe that he walked through the wall, which he very well could have. Um, it's Jesus. He can pretty much do whatever he wants. And then when he said, when he had said this, he said, "Peace be with you." That's what he said in nineteen. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Oh, am I in the right place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's 22. Okay. Um, you just backed his, up a few verses. His hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And he had said this. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit if you have... If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you hold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So, peace be with you. 
I believe, all right, so here is where we're going to have to dive a little bit deeper. Um, I think when he says, peace be with you, I think it's more than just the fruit of the Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit himself represents peace, and I believe he's almost saying the Holy Spirit's going to be with you, and I'm going to give him to you, and he's going to go with you as I send you. Do you disagree with that, or would you agree yeah, with agree. it? I think it's bigger than mm-hmm. just the fruit of the Spirit. I think I think he's not saying, well, this fruit, I'm going to go with you. I think he's saying, I'm going to equip you with the Holy Spirit, and he's going to go with you, and you're going to receive him. And so if – because I don't believe – now, this is where a lot of people disagree with me, and that's okay because I've yet to really been – like a lot of people show me their scripture about I don't think the Holy Spirit dwelt in man prior to Jesus's like dwelt. Now he came upon, he rested, he was with, but to dwell, like Ephesians would say, um, that we've been, you he know, dwelt or filled. Yes. Yeah. Right. yeah I, I agree. I think he came upon them and he may have come upon them for a period of time. Like Saul, he came upon to be king, but eventually he left Saul. As a believer, he's not supposed to leave us. Like mm-hmm. he's the seal unto the day of redemption. He's the protector. He's the one that, and Saul, the Holy Spirit came upon Saul for a season to anoint him as king. But then when Saul lied and, you know, he chose to, um, you know, hold back certain things and not kill all things and not do this, you know, he sinned and the Holy Spirit removed off of his life. And then the Holy Spirit then went on David's life to be king eventually. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like he's coming in and on. Samson, he would come on to do a task and he would come off. Come on, come off. Come on, come off. Um, we heard we hear this terminology a whole lot in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament now we have this word "indwelt," which is basically living with. You're in, and to me, that's what's happening here in John twenty for his disciples. But this is his intimate disciples. Acts chapter two was a bigger crowd, um, but his actual disciples. He's saying he's telling them to receive before they're sent. So if they did not have the Holy Spirit yet, could they have been born again? <laughs> because because they did get sent in the seventy two by two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this isn't the first time they've been sent. Mm-hmm. But he's saying, when I send you this time, as my Father sent me, so I'm sending you, and I'm sending you with the Holy Spirit. Right. Receive him. Right. So if if we I don't believe you can be you can you can be born again absent of the Holy Spirit living in you. So if they haven't had the Holy Spirit living in you because he had not yet departed and he mm-hmm. said I must go so the one that can come and I'm leaving with you him. Mhm. All right. I haven't done a lot of study on this, but I'm thinking that he is maybe maybe they're not even receiving the Holy Spirit at this point here because we don't really see much of a change until Acts. So um, my question is, I guess, is he preparing them for that um, that day of Pentecost? That's a possibility too. 
I've heard a lot of I've heard people teach that yeah. that they didn't actually receive anything in the upper room. I mean, the room at this point that it was basically another teaching moment to say he's coming. Yeah. And they would say that he could not see and send the Holy Spirit like he did until he was out of the way. And uh, Dake here, he says that um, the reason why Jesus says peace be unto you twice. He says it first in verse 19 and then again in 21 is he is is letting them know that this you know peace be unto you is just a, a common uh, salutation type thing if you would see somebody in the Jewish culture but by saying this a second time he's letting them know that th- there's more to that mm-hmm. than just hey how you doing type thing sure he's he's actually letting them know that his peace the peace of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. will be with them mm-hmm. yeah I and feel like we're just kind of seeing the whole <coughs> thing unfold you know <laughs> from Genesis to the revelation you know that you know this this the whole plan you know and you know we're we're enjoying well it's not it's not totally fulfilled you know and but it's you know there's more to come but we're just seeing the i think just the whole plan here you know of of, you know creation and then you know men of god that were uh, being used in, you know, in beginnings of time, you know, and, and seeing the plan, you know, being fulfilled, and then Jesus coming, and then Jesus dying for our sins, and then Jesus going back to the, you know, heaven to the mercy seat to, you know, place his blood, and then coming back and preparing them for when the Holy Spirit was going to fill them to continue the work, mm-hmm. but there's more to come. <laughs> um, the The... <clears throat> The scholars behind the ESV study Bible say that they would agree with Dake. They said it was a foretaste of the coming Pentecost. Um, yeah, my King James uh, study Bible says that the disciples are anointed by the Holy Spirit preliminary to Acts 2, and it corresponds to the same Holy Spirit special ministries in the Old Testament. Such ministries were for special tasks. Soon the Holy Spirit would come and permanently abide with them in Acts 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was a foretaste. So that's why is that the conclusion we're coming to? So we can let this age old rest question rest. <laughs> we look. Well, we solved it. We solved it in five minutes, man. It took us longer than five minutes. <laughs> I would like to see what you the know, word honestly, "receive" means. I, I never saw, saw that part Greek. about him breathing on them. Mm-hmm. No. I'd like to do word study on it. I thought I had my strong concordance on my phone. I don't know where that app is. It's, um, E M P H U S A O. That don't tell me much. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what, it's only version? here in the New Testament, but used also in Genesis two seven uh, for the Hebrew word, which is another word I can't pronounce, which means to breathe or to blow with force. Hmm. So let me. But here's my only thing, because I'm still a little hung up on this. Okay. Because I. I would not like disagree or think it be like wrong or like no, it's just impossible. It could very well be a foretaste of it, like a, a looking to. But if Jesus is in a room with you, looks you in the eye and say, "Receive you the Holy Spirit," and mm-hmm. then breathes on you, you're gonna tell me nothing's happening, <laughs> right? I mean, I agree. I mean, this says they're being anointed, and I don't know if that's that's my study. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's wrong. Like, I'm just trying to figure out, 
you know, this... But how is an anointing separate from filling? But doesn't he say in another place, too, that the Holy Spirit can't come until he goes away? Yes. He's there still, is. He, he's still there. He is still there. Um, Where is that at? I can't remember. It says in John as well. I must... Oh, let's see here. That was in um, John. Was it the was it the high priestly prayer? He said that. I don't remember exactly. Or somewhere in that area, fifteen through seventeen. I can, I think it was somewhere in that area. But the difference to me, the difference between anointing, anointing is basically an empowerment to do something. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's it's like so you're anointed to sing, you're anointed to preach, you're anointed for this gifting, you're anointed to do this. That's the anointing, the the power to to power to do it. Um, the anointing breaks the yoke, kind of deal. Like, um, but the glory, whenever it dwells, I believe that's something that rests upon you mm-hmm. and it dwells in you. An anointing can come and go. Yeah, but I think when you talk about indwelling, I don't think it does. I think it stays. Uh, Miss Jeannie says the disciples were present on the day of Pentecost and received. I I do agree they they were they were there and they received a hundred percent. I've just always I don't know John twenty's always been with me. Yeah, and I have a I'm still and this is what I I've kind of asked for this so this is on me. I've asked to struggle with the text again. Like I want to <laughs> struggle with the text. Um, I felt like my Bible study was becoming way too shallow, and and let me. I'll just say this, and I'll say this with all kindness and all, because I I think it's important to have study Bibles. I think it's important to have, um, I think it's important to have commentaries. But just because we like, I love my ESV study Bible. It's my main Bible. But just because it tells me tells me something doesn't mean I just go with it. Like I want to learn. I want to grow, and I I want to struggle with the text. So I don't want to study a text for, (laughs) well, I don't want to study a text for five minutes and feel like I figured it out. Like, okay, that makes sense. It's logical. Well, a lot of times in the text, things aren't logical. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just what we're not trying to, here's what I think we have to be careful of. And we'll, we'll go to break. We're not supposed to understand the word just with a natural eye. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that's what we try to do. And I'm not saying we're doing that to this text. I'm saying this to myself because I want to struggle with the text. I want to think deeply on the text. I want to know the text. I want to know what Jesus is really saying in the text. And I felt like for a season I was becoming too shallow and just, oh, yeah, I've read that before. Great. I know what that means. And and I was, I don't know, I was treating things too flippantly. Uh, because once you, you know, when you study the Bible for a long time, you have a tendency to do that. And I think I've talked to a lot of older older saints who will say the same thing. Like they sometimes realize that, well, I've read that text eight times and I kind of know what it means. But what if the nine, the ninth time you read it, you take your, what's that tool they used to mine gold with? It looked like a pickaxe. There we go. You take your pickaxe and you really start mining what's in it. And you say, okay, I've read this eight times, but Lord, give me a fresh eyes and see if I've ever missed anything that your riches would be found in. So, I don't know. So I'm going to struggle with this text a little bit more because it's just, yeah, I'm not comfortable agree. yet. I do agree with what you're saying because, I mean, you have the same 
Jesus and Holy Spirit that the authors of these commentaries had. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, they've done a lot of study, but I mean, we we still have the same access to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit for revelation. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I have a feeling that's what they were counting on because they didn't have all the things that we have today. The you know the Power Bible and the all the different commentaries and stuff like that. They they just had the Word. And they let the Holy Spirit direct them and yeah. empower them and give them, you know, word and revelation to what, what they believed it, it was teaching. So. All right. Well, let's let's go back to the first trivia question. I'm still letting Emory in the drawing because she was so sweet and kind. <laughs> and um, how many loaves of bread did Jesus start to with to feed the crowd of 4,000? Not the 5,000 account, but the 4,000 account, because they are different. 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Here, let, Let's get this done. Miss Emery got the right answer this time. So there's nobody can say anything. She said, she said, it's seven. I said, you got it. All right. So, Jason, take that in your code hard over there. All right. Um, and so well, we just got through saying reading that verse. Anybody that comes in any other way is a thief and a robber. <laughs> oh my so god! Just let her have it. <laughs> so I'm glad she did it the right way. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> all right. So I don't know if we came up with a good answer to that or not. I I think it's still something I'm I'm struggling with trying to figure out. I just feel like there's a little bit more significance behind John chapter twenty. Other than just a foreshadow. But that's just me. I could be very wrong. Well, at the end of the day, they all became you know great men of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, and preaching salvation everywhere they went. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's one of those things that you, you want to try to figure out, but you, you already know the answer. You know, you yeah. know uh, the end result. Do I? Just, I think that's my problem. I don't know the answer. <laughs> no, I mean, okay, we know <laughs> the, the end, end result. Of, you know, they were. Oh, you know how the book ends. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know how their story ends. Sure. Because you know, by the time of Acts 2, they are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, and going out into all the world preaching the gospel. And so, you know, that's so it's just a matter of when that exactly happened. You know, we can wrestle with that, but we know that it did happen. And, and you know, that's the method that, you know, God's. The, that the mess that God's message is proclaimed. Yeah, yeah. Good. St- well, you you are right about that. Um, I don't. Sometimes I like I don't have to be right. Like right. I'm I'm okay with being wrong if I get truth. But I think yeah. it's important to remember too that because sometimes we, if you're not careful, you can get into a back and forth with someone over something like this and forget that. You know, at the end of the day, we know they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We know they were men of God. So you, what you're saying is we don't want to be one of those people in Timothy like I preached on yesterday. Right. Yeah. That always has to be right, yeah. quarrelsome, starting fights, because they have to be the ones right at the end of the day. Right. And you're not productive. And um, But it's fun to, you know, to dive in and to, to hear each other's opinions and even disagree or agree to disagree. You know, that there's a lot of fun in that with, with, with fellow believers. Yeah, it's not like you're trying to get me to coexist or anything like that. You know? <laughs> no, the kind of, you can't argue with those people. Either way, it's a powerful piece of scripture because yeah, Jesus breathing on someone or multiple, several, there. That's that stands out. 
Yeah. Um, and honestly, I haven't never spent much time on it because I really like verses 24 through 29 with Thomas. And so, uh, you know, when I've studied those these verses, I, I tend to gravitate toward those. And uh, I really have, you know, sad to say, I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to it. You know, In John chapter 20? Oh, yeah. I paid a lot of attention to it. And, you know... Um, I'll tell you why I paid attention to it. I was watching a movie one time, and it was called The Gospel of John. Okay. And the reason I paid attention to it was that that scene just struck me. Like, I don't know why it struck me, but whenever Jesus was in in the upper room with his disciples, and he breathed on them, and it wasn't a day of Pentecost experience. I do like they didn't over-exaggerate it. Like, yeah. They didn't like make everybody fall out in the spirit or anything like that. But what they did, you could just, they betrayed it as you could tell the presence of the, of the Lord came upon them. Does that make sense? Like, and to me, it was just striking. Like it was something that was compelling. There was something that was moving. And um, ever since that day, I just really felt a drawn to that text. And I do appreciate this movie didn't really overplay it and it didn't yeah. over exaggerate it. But. It's um, it just struck me, and I guess ever since striking me, it's always been in my head a little bit of what that text doing, and um, and so um, let's move on to the next question though. Right. Uh, we got we got several more to cover today if we have time. Let's start out with an easy one. Uh, it's non controversial, and everybody will agree on it. What are your thoughts on church membership? <laughs> I think everybody agree on that one. <laughs> Um. All right, my thoughts, and I'll let everybody else answer because mine's not a long answer, honestly. Okay. Are they divided? I like it, and I don't like it, and I'm just gonna. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. Like, say that again. I like it, and then I don't like it. Okay. And and I'll tell you one reason why, and one reason don't. I do like it because it adds accountability. And. And so if you feel like you're a member of a church, I think you're more apt to serve, devote, give, and be a part of the day-to-day day activities. Not necessarily always on campus or something like that, but you are you have a sense of responsibility with it. All right? The reason I don't like it is the church feels like they own you then. That's, you're, you know, and and that it's like, well, I can just take you off. Or I can put you on. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this because you're you're mine. You're my member. All right. And I don't want that kind of philosophy either because bef- because ultimately we're, we're we're a member of the kingdom, mm-hmm. not just a member of a church. But Amen. if I had a scales of justice and I had to weigh it out, I would have church membership. I think there's yeah. more pros than there are cons. But I I've. Um, when it comes to church membership, I've yet to see a church do it really, really well. So I don't know if we have a model for it that I've seen. I'm sure there are churches doing it well. I think I you just have to make sure to keep preaching the truth that being a member is not going to guarantee your spot in heaven. Because mm-hmm. I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a member of that church, so yeah. I know where I'm going. Like, no. We have to preach truth with it and explain, you know, that it it's a, an accountability thing. Yeah. 
I agree. I know Jason likes church membership. I do. I kind of feel the same way as you. I, uh, I like it, but I'm, I'm fearful of it at the same Not fearful, uh, you know, but... Hesitant. Yeah, hesitant, yeah. Because it does seem that every denomination that goes all in with membership, it almost, um, you know, people get the wrong... Um, they put it in the wrong perspective. It's easy for people who are nominal Christians or even not Christians to hold to their membership instead of salvation. And uh, I don't ever want to give that impression. And but for some reason, that seems to happen in every circumstance. And I don't think any of those denominations set out for that. And I don't think there's anybody in leadership of those denominations that would you know, want that at all, but it does seem to be an area where the devil can manipulate and lie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that for that reason, I would be hesitant as well. Yeah. Because I feel like that we would do it well if we did it. But somewhere down the road, it seems to go off course with every group. Yeah. I think we would start out with good intentions. Yeah. And I think most churches have. Um, and just like... Uh, you know, in Exodus, it said there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. And eventually, there would arise an Aaron that did not know the merits of church membership. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's true. Uh, um, if that makes sense. <laughs> After I said it, I thought, well, that doesn't make sense at all. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> um, um, you know, one listener said, how does, members, how does church membership advance the kingdom? Yeah. Well, I don't think it does advance the kingdom. I think it, it helps. It, it would help a person to feel more um, covered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think covered. That would be the only thing that, uh, uh, you know, I, I, in fact, I was thinking about a family this morning. Woke up too early. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just like, what do you do when you know that they're not a part of you anymore? And, uh, and, you know, do you go out searching for them <laughs> and saying, you know, uh, because we don't have membership, you know, and, uh, you know, but it's kind of like we know the people that are connected and, you know, have that uh, uh, accountability uh, here. And then we have some that are just kind of floating around. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so then, then, it's, then it's hard to say, uh, well, you know, we missed you uh, this Sunday and last Sunday and the Sunday before. And so then what do you do? Are you saying, you know, uh, and you want them to be involved mm-hmm. in, in in a church and you want them to be involved in a church that will help them to grow. And, you know, but then but then what do you do since they're not a, a member, then then you can't, uh, you know, go. Go hunt them down. <laughs> but yeah. see, I think that's where membership starts to break down too. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the, you know, whenever you talk about church discipline, it was never actually like supposed to be per se this church, that church. It was the church they were because mm-hmm. ex- they were over the whole church in that region right. and that city. And if they would not repent of their sin, then they would excommunicate them from that that church in that city. Like mm-hmm. not just. It wasn't just um, Corinth Church. Sometimes the Lord church take it into his hands. <laughs> yeah. um, and so um, Greg Carwell said, God is a jealous God. And um, 
if, if he is not the center focus, you're missing the whole thing. Well, I think that he has to be the center of everything. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that you would become a member of a church is that you want to worship God with that the body and you feel connected to that. And right. I get, I'm just going to, I think that church membership is good in the sense of it provides accountability, but also it can become off, like Jason was saying, if we think we own somebody or something to that regard too. Um, but I do think that everybody should have a home church, a local body that you're connected with, that's covering you, that's praying with you. Mm-hmm. And I think you should do your utmost to be there. And, and it becomes, and if you really want to be a part and be involved, it, it becomes your family, you know. And uh, <clears throat> and that, you know, I mean, that's how I, how I feel. And, uh, uh, you know, my daughter, they, you know, they uh, live in Nashville and go to the church and, and they, you know, I don't, I don't know that they have membership or not, but, but it's, but you, you feel that, you know, that, uh, that's her, her, her family, you know, they're, they're apart and, and they, uh, you know, so it's, uh, that's, I see the benefits of whether it's membership or not, but just saying, this is my church family. This is yeah. where I attend. This is where I'm. And I do mm. think, I think it's mm-hmm. good, but I, I think everything that's good can turn out to be, um, you know, perverted or. Yeah. Well, the enemy, that's the his, enemy that's will do purpose. it. That, yes. yes. And we see it over and over. Like we can't just not mm-hmm. gather with a local body because, but we also have to remember that it's not all about our church and that we can have that same family connection with someone from a different church, mm-hmm. you know, because we you- are all one body and you kind of wonder how how the early church did it because i mean you're talking about thousands of people in one city you know and they were the church but you know that they they met from house to house so there was probably some kind of situation there you know that that they were you know yeah this is where i attend (laughs) yeah yeah but the tricky thing is like and i i agree i mean i think everybody knows me well enough to know I'm all about unity and bringing churches together. But I think what in that too, I've, I've kind of been around people who they want, they want to go wherever they want to go, but they want their local church to still like be all about them. So it's like, they never want to come there, but you better chase me down. You better pursue me. You better, you better beg me to come back. You better do all this. And I just think we have to be careful get all this games and hostility. And uh, I'm like the, I'm, I'm a, this is me. This is my personality. And I know this is probably wrong and I probably shouldn't even say this on the air, but the one thing I don't like to do is babysit. Um, and, and I think that sometimes if you've been a believer for a long time and you, you're, you're solid and mature, I get it. Like if you're hurting or something, you need somebody there. But if you're just making the decision on Sundays not to connect with the body and you just want to stay home in your PJs cause you, you had a busy week and you're a little tired, well, it's not my responsibility to come chase you down. Like, there's eventually going to have to come a maturity about you to where you don't have to have somebody call you every five seconds. Hey, why wasn't you at church today? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I, I think that one thing membership does is it produces this thing. Well, yeah, I'm a part. This is my church. This is what's, you know, this is where I worship. This is where I go. And I do think it's good for that. I do think it's good for that. I just, I see a lot of abuses coming in in it too as well and then of course if you use membership for voting then it gets really bad because 
I've seen some more of your royal churches that may have a hundred people on the voting row on the membership paper. Four people come to church every Sunday. So all of a sudden they're going to call a new pastor. That's what they call it. And then you have 85 people to show up for the meeting and 81 of those haven't been to church in eight years yet. They're going to come because they're nosy and they want to see who the new pastor is. (laughs) And so that's where the dangers of membership starts to come in at. And, Honestly, I know people that come to Bethel and it's their home church, yet they'll still tell me, yeah, my name's in the membership row down the road. (laughs) And if there was a vote at that church down the road, they could go vote. Yet they've been here for years and years and years. And I think that's where the logistics and the problems of membership start to come in at. Greg says, I say throw membership out. If you find a church body that shares the love of Christ, stick with it. You will know your brothers and sisters in Christ by the love they have for one another. Yeah. Can't argue with that. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I've I've read a lot on it, yeah. and I've I looked into it a lot because I, I love the the methodology of ecclesiology, like the church, and... I don't know. I, I do feel like th- there's no way we could implement church membership at Bethel because there's enough people that would be very upset. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But if I was planning a church, if I was starting a church, mm-hmm. I would have church membership. I just would. I think there's more pros and cons. But I don't push it. And I'm not upset that we don't. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, it's not a thought that keeps me up at night. And it's not even a thought I've really ever addressed. I just... I just know we're not going to have church membership here. Uh, for one, um, we tried to do a Facebook page one time just for communication, and it it was it was hard enough to do that. We couldn't get that going. So if I started having people fill out forms for church membership or something like that, <laughs> it would be bad. Um, and so because we have, well, I mean on on our people kind of like on on the what. Like the people that we would say we're praying for, we're we're looking out for, we're searching for, is twice the number than what shows up on Sunday. Sure. And so, it that's where church membership gets really confusing into in that regard too. But um, I thought it was going to be an easy question. I thought we were just going to get by with it quickly. <laughs> um, let me get back to. I like it. I like membership, but I don't think I would have it. I think if you started out right. And you, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it seems to me that it, it always goes awry. Yeah. yeah. I've never really seen it work. Not that it couldn't, but I feel like there's other ways we could have accountability too. Like, I feel like there's other ways that could, we could achieve accountability. Mm-hmm. Got any ideas? <laughs> I will, I'll let you know as they come. But. <laughs> um. <laughs> Because honestly, what I will say this, F- faithfulness and commitment is one thing that's quickly leaving this generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's not something that marks that's, it. That's one reason why I would like to see it. And that's, I'm not just talking about the younger people. I'm talking about oh, yeah. the ones on the earth at this moment. Faithfulness and accountability are two things that's not here in all regards. True. Um, because, you know... I'm kind of like my little saying with friends like you who needs enemies. Was <laughs> <laughs> well, that? You know what? I, when the church I grew up in, there was this sign on the wall. And, uh, you know, as, as, you have, 
just kind of like the. Were you a member there? Uh, you know, I think I was. <laughs> Are you still a member there? Because the sign said, "If every church member was just like me, what kind of church would my church be?" <laughs> yeah. And uh, so. Well. That's that. Just I, like who? <laughs> if every church member was just like me, what kind of church would my church be? In other words, if I, if I didn't tithe, you know, if I didn't uh, pray, if I didn't, yeah. <laughs> if I didn't read my Bible, you know, well, if every church member was just like me, yeah, what kind of church would my church well, be? Well, if we take it out of the arena of church for a second, this generation, and I've, I'm hearing from employers and bosses all the time, they can't get people to show up on time. And they cannot get people to work when they are there. Like those are the, the, it's just, it's, it's what's happening. And used to, you would work with a company and loyalty and faithfulness will be there. Now, again, I think it's on the companies too, because it's becoming greedier and greedier. And we're, we're paying people more who are just starting out than people who's worked with them for 40 years. Well, I think it's the confrontation thing, you know, they're, People are afraid to confront anybody anymore about yeah. anything because they'll just leave. You know, or the or the accusation accusations that you'll get, you know, yeah. because of that, you know. So I just think I think it's a deeper rooted issue than mm-hmm. just church membership and not church membership. But um, I I just see that it's a hard thing. I just see mm-hmm. that our loyalty and our faithfulness and our de- dedication is is waning, mm-hmm. and not just in the church. Where I'm talking about just period mm-hmm. and. And I think it's part of a deception. I think it's part of a falling away. I think it's part of. Well, sad to say, like you said, as a church goes, I mean, as a family goes, so goes the church. Sure. And so as the church goes, so goes the world, you know. Yep. And so. Yes. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I could even see like, well, I'll just hold that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to keep some of my thoughts to myself. Uh, when we come back, we will we'll dive into another question or two. Um, we'll go into this question after the break. Ex- what exactly does First Timothy five twenty two mean? Again, what exactly does First Timothy five twenty two mean? Monday question number two, sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance. What does the name Abraham mean? What does the name Abraham mean? Two seven zero two five seven two six eight nine. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box Two Radio on the Box Two Radio at the studios and around Kentucky. And so get ready for a beautiful one. Probably a Miss Gretchen's early, maybe a pop-up storm or rain every once in a while. But for, in the forecast, it's really not calling for any full day of rain or anything to that regard. So it's going to be a good day, good week, and excited for it. Don't forget Man Up Ministries this Thursday, 6.30 p.m. at Cross Point. And then get ready for your three-day weekend coming up, Memorial Day weekend, and most importantly, Pentecost Sunday. Going to um, celebrate the outpouring of the Spirit of God. So I still got some more texts coming in about church membership. Um, I knew that it's always a controversial thing. I do want to say this. I don't think church membership is there to manipulate people just to give or um, to do like there's one listener talked about, you know, you have to be a member to teach Sunday school. You have to be a member to do this. That's not what I think membership should be for. Um, And so when I say that I would have it, it's not for that stuff. It would be more or less, again, just get people to connect with the body and to feel accountable somewhere, remain faithful and loyal. Um, like if somebody at Bethel goes to another church and visit, I don't get upset. Like, okay, praise the Lord. Tell them I said hi. 
Um, but like if you call Bethel Fellowship your home, um, there should be a a zeal to serve. There should be a zeal to see the church grow, to see it healthy, to see the Maybe the place taking care of commitment. commitment. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, there is the biblical precedence for tithing and giving. And uh, you know, if if you are a part of the body and uh, like our multi-purpose building over here is used all the time, like all the time. And, and I love it. Like I actually do. I think it's great. Like I've actually never seen it used as much as been being used lately. And we have people come here, baby showers, wedding showers, uh, birthday parties. Um, I mean, you name it. And it's pretty much happened over there in the last year. All right. But here's the thing that building takes maintenance. It takes things and it takes. And so, when people give and sow, that's what they're giving and sowing into is the upkeep. So they can use the facilities. They can use these kind of – and it's not like you tithe and you get to use it. That's not what we do either. I'm just saying, like, it takes it takes finances to take care of things. And if the church that you're at – all right, so if Joe Schmo goes down to the corner church and you go into that service every Sunday morning and you appreciate the air conditioner that's on during the summer, you know what? That air conditioner's on because of the giving. You know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so that's why it is important to an aspect to when you're connected, you're connected to the body of Christ in a local assembly to make sure you're being generous, to make sure you're helping, because unless you want to sweat bullets because there's no air conditioner, you know, and I know these things, these things ain't popular to talk about. And they're not like, oh, the revival's breaking up because they talked about this. Great. But it is, it is necessities and it is parts of life. So um, let's move on. First Timothy, what was this verse again? 522. 522, 1 Timothy. Let me read it. Yeah. It says, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. All right, Hannah. Have fun. (laughs) Uh, That means don't have a bumper sticker that coexists or Jason's (laughs) going to lay hands on you suddenly. All right. (laughs) No, I... I'll start it out, and please, uh, my my voice is gone, so y'all need to talk more. Um, I think, first of all, I think he's saying this: don't don't put anybody in a place of authority or leadership too quickly. Knowing them, know them, know the you know if put them on the roll. <laughs> yeah, don't put them on the membership row too soon. All right, <laughs> but no, if and I do think I think we do this and we joke around about stuff, but like. Say Jason's never been to church here before, and we hear his singing ability. Well, <laughs> he come on a Sunday morning. We heard him singing in the row behind me. Mm-hmm. I go up to him and say, Jason, I, I need you in that worship team. Your voice is amazing. All right? It's great. I get that all the time. I know you do. <laughs> Ever since that morning, you get it. It's I see the autographs. I see the people lining up outside the the foyer on Sunday mornings. I see it. All right? And – uh but I go up to him and I say, I want you on that worship team. I don't even know his name yet. I just want you on that worship team. I'm going to get you on that stage and you're going to sing. All right. Well, now we're putting him in a place of position of authority, of influence. What I didn't know is he's running a drug cartel in Litchfield. <laughs> All right. And so now I'm partaking in his sins because I'm I'm basically saying, okay, I'm okay with this. As long as his gifting's enough. And so I would see it as long I think Paul's instructing Timothy to be slow, to lay hands on somebody, to set them aside, to anoint them, to ordain them, to position them in a place of authority or influence, 
because the last thing we want to do is look like we're condoning the sin that they're participating in. Yeah, I think that's why it's also important, like not only a sh- like a new person at your church, but even people who have been there for a long time. I mean, you can there can be people that you've known for a, wh- a while, but you've not actually gotten to know them or spent time with them enough to know what's happening in their life. And I think that's why anyone, no matter, you know, how long we've known them, even if we grew up together, I mean, no matter what it is to get to know um, what's going on in someone's life just as much as we would a new person, like continuously before, you know, people get into leadership. Yes. Yep. Um, and of course, you know, we can't know everything like about everybody, um, but we can for one, there is a discernment. I think the Holy Spirit will give us discernment if we're listening. But for two, if if somebody wants to play guitar here, like we need a guitarist. Like I need we we, we need some guitar. We do. All right, we need some guitar. All right. So if Joe Schmo shows up next Sunday and says, "I want to play guitar for you all," uh, I'm probably not putting them on this following Sunday if I never if I didn't know them. Now if I've known them for a while or you know I know them. Well, their testimony. Yes. You know their, if you know their testimony and. Yeah. But even if it's not, if even if they've had a you know, rough life, and you know, but but you've seen the results of of their salvation and their walk with the Lord. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. But that's but we have to know that. Like you do mm-hmm. need to know that. So mm-hmm. if if I didn't know them, if I know them, that's different. But if I don't know them, probably what I'll do is take them out to lunch or dinner and say, "All right, let's talk. Like, tell me about yourself. Why do you why do you want to play guitar? Why do you want to help lead worship? What's your testimony? Where do you come from?" And honestly, I'm so if he says, I know this person, I may ask him, like, what do you, you know, is there anything I need to know? Like, I'm not trying to gossip, but if, if we're going to put somebody in a place of influence and we're going to put, because if you're on a stage on a worship team, you are in a place of influence, whether you like it or not, like people see you up there. And well, a lot of this, this, uh, this book here in first Timothy, it, Paul's instructing Timothy on, on who to put in leadership and, yes. and all, you know, all this. And he's, you know, so. And it's, he's ending it up there now. Now, like what I've told you now, don't lay hands on anybody suddenly because you you know what the testimony that they have to have and their walk with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and I've, I mean, we've probably all seen it that people get placed in positions because they're gifted, but they're not equipped and they're not ready to be there. Mm-hmm. And it will destroy and I, yeah, them. I was say, so we've seen so many destroyed because of that. Yep. And that's why I say that all the time. Don't let your gifting take you where your character can't keep you. And I'm not saying that we're perfect by any means, but uh, I think it is important who we lay hands on and put in a position of leadership, and we should know them. And it's not it's not being nosy. It's not being gossiping. It's not being controlling. It's doing what God's called us to do when we lead the body of Christ. Anybody? Amen. Um, one commentary here says that the second part, um, neither be partaker of other men's sins. That, you know, by laying hands on or putting them in position suddenly or too early, you would be in some degree responsible for their sin. If, you know, if you're not aware or you are are aware and you're kind of glossing over or whatever, uh, you know, putting someone in position of authority <coughs> or whatever, um, then you you would be responsible for that sin. Mm-hmm. So, Do you think that would be, do you think 
um, that commentary saying that because you would basically be reinforcing that sin, saying yeah. we know about it, but we're okay with it as long as you know, right. you know, as long as you're going to be doing what you're supposed to be doing, right. what we're asking you to. Yeah. Do you think- even if you don't do your homework, and you know, put someone in a position of authority, even if you aren't even aware of it, you are unintentionally giving them a a false sense of hey, this is okay. So. Uh, you have to be kind of careful. So what you're telling me is you don't want to put a diva, male or female, on a stage? That's true. Uh, I think the Lord is anti-diva. Because you've you kind of turned a little divish ever since you're married, did you know? <laughs> I did not. Coming here demanding things and wanting a proper place. And, I mean, it's... <coughs> He he said something about having his demand list for his manager being sent to me soon, and um, I think it's going to his head a little bit on his yeah. his performance. But uh, oh, what, when Josh played that on the piano the other day, your face though when you walked off the stage, it, I thought it was Ethan up there, <laughs> above me. Nope, it was not. Yeah. So, all right, um, I think we have time for one more question. Anybody else got anything on that one? Nope, that was pretty quick. All right. Well, that was easier than the church membership one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I still have a few texts from that one. <laughs> yeah, church membership's rough for people. I get it. Um, I think, all right, let's just say this. I don't I don't want to go back into it too much. But I think it's rough for us here to hear about it because we've seen it done so bad in country churches. And I'm just going to be honest with you. There's no other way to say it. Like, we've seen such abuses of it, and we've seen it done so poorly that I think it's hard for us to even encapsulate a time when it would be okay. But I've seen some other pastors and leaders do it to where I think it was almost healthy for the church in a sense. But then I know one big church, and I'm not saying names, and it's not in Grayson County. It's it's local, but it's not in Grayson or Breck. But it's a big church, and like their church membership they actually, like the pastor will come and find you if he knows, because you have to, when you sign your church membership role, you have to report how much your income is. And if your tithe is not lining up with your income, the church will come find you and talk to you. All right. That's not what I would mean in church leadership whatsoever. I think that's an abuse. I think that is overstepping. For one, that's between you and the Lord. Um, at at Bethel, I know I don't know what people give. I know I don't know if Miss Gretchen gives. I, I, she does. I know she does. But you know, I don't, I don't know what she gives. I don't know what Hannah gives. I don't know what Jason gives. I the other elders Blood, sweat and tears. The other the other elders will they count the money? They know what the, Miss Miss Betty takes care of the online stuff. I mean, I don't know, like because I've guarded my own heart from that because I don't want to know because I never want to as a pastor have the propensity to to cater to hither tithers or people who give or don't give. I just want to, I just want to pastor. And so I guard my own heart in that area. So if you're going to take church leadership and do that, that's where we've seen the abuses of it. And I think that's why when somebody says I'm, I would be okay with it. And whenever I say that I would have church membership, if I'm planning a fresh new church, people are like, Ooh, no. But I think if you, if you center around the idea that it's trying to create a family and, um, because the one thing I don't want, and we can't keep perpetuating, is that it's the church's past. It's the pastor's church. It's not. No. If if you come here on a Sunday morning, Bethel is your church, and 
even though I may be here full-time working and serving, it's not just my church. It's not just Jason's church. It's not just Miss Gretchen's church. It's our church. And we should all own that. We should all take responsibility over that. And we should all serve and labor and say, how can we make this the most healthy, um, kingdom-advancing, community-changing church that we can possibly do? And we have to remember that we belong to God. Mm-hmm. Everything belongs to God. <laughs> we have to keep him first in everything because I believe whenever people start to to let man elevate <laughs> and it's easy to do. I mean without like I I see people do it without them actually realizing they're doing it. Um but we are we answer to the Lord first. All of us answer to the Lord first mm-hmm. for other people. Well you would you would have a poor church if you have a church that's trying to put themselves before God. Um, and that's why I've preached so much on Jason Upton's How Can They See You If All They See Is Me or the seven churches, the ones standing in the midst of the seven churches. But I do think there's, like, I think there's a... The only reason we go to church is to be with other believers, to worship, to be equipped, to do the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. But we really need a healthy church doing what the church is called to do if we're ever going to have a kingdom that's advancing. Because the, the kingdom of God is the culture of the church. That's what it's supposed to be. It's the, it's the culture. It's the, it's, the, it's the actual system of what the church is called to operate in and through. And, and I feel like we've created the church to be such a man-centered organization that we've really not capsulated what the church is supposed to be and we and i think that's where we've got to figure out what is the church called to do how do we do it and how do we get it done but also how do we have a healthy body how do we have a healthy structure how do we have a healthy church how do we operate on a level that is producing and equipping disciples and sending and moving and growing and stretching and serving the body of christ as a whole and that's where one person a pastor can't do it it takes the whole body and I think that's where accountability, faithfulness, commitment comes in at is we're willing to roll up our sleeves and not just make the campus beautiful or not just do this, but also but really create an atmosphere where lives can be transformed because Jesus is showing up in a real way. That takes prayer. That takes um, worship, like, you know, worship teams. I don't, I don't want the best worship team. What I want is a worship team prepared to worship and lead in worship. That's my heartbeat. Um, where there's no distractions, where there's no hindrances, where we just get in there and we worship, but we're prepared for it. I don't know. Like These are the practical things nobody really wants to talk about. And if you do talk about it, it's kind of like, well, that's just, you know, it's not really the kingdom. But it is the kingdom because the church is the, church is the ones that's carrying, advancing, and preaching the kingdom of the earth. And if we're not doing it well, who's going to? So my nose has stopped up. So if I sound funny, <laughs> that's why. <clears throat> and I got a lot more bush hogging to do. So it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. <clears throat> um, I don't know if we have another time for another answer. About eight minutes. Oh, seven now. Uh, I don't know if we do. I read a book once. Um, and I can't remember who it was, but, um, was a pastor and he he said that 
when one of his members, he, when he notices they're not tithing, he does go and talk to them because he said, it's my duty as their pastor to make sure that they are honoring God in all that they do. And if they are not tithing, then they are missing out on God's blessing. He said, so that's, I make that a point. He said, I don't talk to them about, you know, how much or whatever, you know, but I, um, but I want them to be blessed and I want, I want to look out for them. So that's why I do that. And I thought that was kind of an interesting take. I'm not sure I would appreciate it if if I was on the receiving end, (laughs) but, but you know, he kind of had a point too. Well, you're on the elders team, so I'll make I'll I'll designate that to you. No. <laughs> you know, like I said, if if he came, if it was my pastor and he came to me, I I might be like, well, why are you being so nosy? But um, he, but at the same time, I saw what he was coming yeah, from because that's his his pastoral duty. He said, you know, if you I want my approach it right. Yeah, you I know, want I my think, flock to be blessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but let me now, but then let me ask you this: okay. if he's leading from the pulpit yeah. and he's preaching and he's teaching all of that, yeah. You know, you're leading from that area. You're preaching, you're teaching, you're right. instructing, you're giving the principles. That then should come upon that person to an extent right. to walk in it because the, the pastor is doing his job. And this is where I think that, you know, well, for one, the pastor should never go by himself. Yeah. Even if you're going to practice church discipline, then, and that church discipline would be in the sense of sin, and that would be pretty evident sin. And it's open sin because that's why they were approaching. It was open and it was detrimental to the faith and it was detrimental to the church. And they said they were calling that person to repentance. They went with an elder first. Then they brought them before the elders and then they brought them before the whole church. But the pastor or the leader never went by themselves right? because you never know what's going to be said. And that's accountability and protection for you as a leader is that if you're confronting an issue, never do it yourself. You always bring another leader with you. Um, that way, that'd have been real scary. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just if <laughs> if I like go, yeah, if I go up to Jason, Jason, I see you're not tithing. Well, Jason can go to anybody. Aaron comes and said he wants my money. All right, <laughs> he says I'm not giving up. I got to give more. All right. Well, no, if you have another leader, then you have yeah, some accountability. I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there is arena though that if that pastor's leading from the pulpit, if he's teaching on it, if he's if he's giving the instruction. You know, how, when does it become excessive? Like, and these are questions that I think pastors are still trying to figure out. When does it become harassment? When does it become excessive? When does it become responsibility? When is it spiritual, being a spiritual dad? When is it being a spiritual cult leader? Like, so which one is it? Like, when, when are those lines crossed and when are they not crossed? Right. Yeah. That's what I was talking about earlier. You know, like, when do you go, go to speak to someone, you know, because you haven't seen them for several weeks? You know, is it, you know, there's a concern, you know, and, uh, you know, but you, you don't, if they've decided to, to leave and go someplace else, then, you know, do you just, God's, uh, what is it they say? The Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. God, God bless their heart. <laughs> That's the good thing. God mm-hmm. bless their heart. Because you don't want them to feel like, like you, you do, you think that you own them, you know. Yeah. And, um. Uh, you know, but you, you know, I mean, we've we've seen it happen many times, you know, in the, in the body, and it and it it hurts, you know, when when people leave, you know, and um, so yeah, 
So Hannah, what's a couple of texts that you got? I'm interested. Um, Have you had any pro membership texts? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, I don't know any non-denominational churches or independent churches that do have membership. Do you? Uh, yes. Okay. I do. All right. Mark Driscoll's always had membership. I don't know. Who that and is. I think um, he, well, he pastored one church. And if you look up Mark Driscoll, you're going to have a lot of stuff come up. A lot. Uh, some of it I believe, some of it I don't believe. Okay. Um, but he is a great Bible teacher. Where is he from? Well, he was from Seattle. Now he's in Arizona because of all the mess that happened at Mars Hill. But Oh, um, I've heard of Mars Hill. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. So does Bethel have membership? No, we don't have membership. Um, and we never will because we'd have half the church leave, and I guess everybody leave with the way <laughs> all these texts are going in. Um, I don't know, like, Again, I'm not membership in the sense of I'm going to make sure you're tithing or you can't teach a Sunday school without being a member or I want to have a member so you can vote. Like, that's not what I'm after. Maybe we just need to find a better word. Covenant. A covenant? You can join. Have a joint covenant. No, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, no, I'm joking. I, 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 I like the idea well, of accountability, but I don't like the idea. Well, let me say this. Of, uh, it's become a, a badge of religiosity. Now I would say, like, here at Bethel, we're not we don't suffer too much on this end, but in a lot of younger generation, like uh, Hannah's generation and millennials, so that's this is our two. Statistically speaking, somebody will say they're a part of a church if they go one time a month, and on average, the average attendance rate of a person going to the church in America right now is they are doing well if they attend two months, two times a month. That's on average how many times people go to church. Mm-hmm. And that's your average church-going person. But they but they call that very, like... Going to church anywhere or going to church no, at, at that particular church? Well, anywhere. Kind of like that. Like, we have... Oh, wow, it's at 9 o'clock. I know. Um, <laughs> but see, like, these are the hard things to do because now you never want to give the insinuation trying to own somebody. But I do think if you're connected to a body, you're not like owned by them, but you should be a part of the home and you should be a part of the family. Um, so I don't know. We got to go. I've already got myself in the next trouble and everybody's <laughs> disagreeing with my philosophy on. I, give me a better word. Everybody give me a better word. Trying to figure this out with me, because I will I say this. We we've got to. We've got to get that. We got to go. I know this. But if you see the New Testament church, they were very devoted. Mm-hmm. They were very devoted. And you see the modern day American church, it's just the opposite. Yeah. So how do we reverse that tide? We gotta go way back tomorrow, seven AM Central Time here on fam- family. <laughs> <laughs> here on Mornings of Box Two Radio on the Box Two Radio Network. <laughs>